Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Friday, October 18th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Boris Johnson locks down a Brexit deal with the EU, but now he's got to win over UK MPs. Saudi Aramco is hitting the brakes on its long-awaited IPO, and Facebook is launching a project to protect miners on its platforms after it introduces encryption. But first, we go to Washington, where the FT's Lauren Feeder unpacks an interesting afternoon, starting with Mike Pence's trip to Turkey. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Mike Pence, the U.S. vice president, led a delegation of U.S. officials, including the Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, to Ankara. They had a very long meeting with the Turkish president, lasted about five hours. And when they left the meeting, Pence said that Turkey had agreed to a five-day suspension of its incursion in Syria. And today, uh, I'm proud to report, thanks to the strong leadership of President Donald Trump and the strong relationship between President Erdogan and Turkey and the United States of America, that today the United States and Turkey have agreed to a ceasefire in Syria. He also said that the U.S. was going to remove the sanctions, if you remember, those were announced over the weekend, so long as the permanent ceasefire went into effect. So, Lauren, I want to switch gears to yesterday's press conference with acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney. He said something that got people pretty fired up. Okay, so this was a this was a rare press conference for Mick Mulvaney, and he faced some questions about that July 25th phone call between President Trump and his Ukrainian counterpart. He also faced questions about these concerns about why the U.S. had withheld military aid from the country earlier in the summer. Initially, he told reporters that the aid was withheld because of concerns about corruption in Ukraine. But then he kind of went back on that and actually said that, no, the president was worried about the role that Ukraine had played in the 2016 election. You know, Mr. Mulvaney didn't actually say explicitly there was quid pro quo and use that phrase. But what he did say was, did he, meaning the president, also mention to me in passing the corruption related to the DNC server? Absolutely. No question about that. But that's it. That's why we held up the money. And that last sentence, that's why we held up the money. That's what the president's critics jumped on. They said this is a clear example that the money, i.e. the military aid, was withheld because of a political favor that the president was asking uh, President Zelensky of of Ukraine to to carry out for him. And now, that wasn't the only thing that McMulvaney said in his press conference that kind of surprised people. He also talked about next year's G7 summit in Miami. Yeah. So actually, I mean, this press conference ended up devolving into a conversation about Ukraine and the impeachment inquiry. And that that's what I think a lot of people will remember from from yesterday. But actually, the press conference was called in the first place because Mick Mulvaney wanted to announce that the president had decided to hold next year's G7 summit at his own golf resort in Miami, which is called Doral. This obviously sparked a lot of criticism from critics of the president who basically said this was yet another example of him profiting uh, from the Oval Office. That's something that a lot of people have said could be an impeachable offense because it, it appears to go against something called the Emoluments Clause, which is part of the U.S. Constitution, which says effectively the president can't profit either domestically or overseas from his role as leader of the country. 
And now, here are the rest of today's headlines. Boris Johnson is one step closer to leading Britain out of the EU on October 31st. The Prime Minister left yesterday's summit in Brussels having secured a Brexit deal with the EU. But now he's got to sell that agreement to MPs in the House of Commons. And as the FT's George Parker explains, it could come down to a handful of votes. This has been the result of months of haggling, negotiation, lots of people saying that it would be impossible for Boris Johnson to pull off this deal. He has done, but it is tempered with a much bigger fear in Downing Street that when this deal returns to Westminster for a crucial vote on Saturday, it's possible the government could lose the vote. The reason is that the Democratic Unionist Party, the Northern Irish Party, that's been propping up Boris Johnson's government, has rejected the deal that Mr Johnson has struck here in Brussels today. They object to it because at its heart is a decision that Northern Ireland should be cut off from the rest of the United Kingdom by a new customs barrier. Boris Johnson initially suggested the DUP might be able to veto this new idea. DUP rather liked that, but that was then shot down by the European Union. And as a result, the DUP sees this new deal that Mr Johnson has struck as a one-way street, really, for Northern Ireland to move more in the direction of the European Union and therefore in the direction of the Republic of Ireland just south of the border. So there's a standoff at Westminster. The arithmetic on Saturday when we have the vote on Mr Johnson's new deal is extremely tight. The Financial Times has done some analysis of people's likely voting intentions and you have to put a health warning on this. Of course, it can be no more than educated guesswork. But we reckon that Mr Johnson on the current configuration would lose that vote by 321 votes to 318, the government losing by three votes. But it is extremely tight. Mr Johnson will spend Friday on the phone to MPs from different parties, other opinion informers, desperately trying to get momentum behind the deal that he's agreed here. We will have updates on our website about the progress of the Brexit plan and Saturday's vote on FT.com. What could be the world's biggest ever stock market listing has hit another snag. Yesterday, Saudi Arabia's state oil company announced that it would be delaying its long-awaited IPO. A source told the FT that Saudi Aramco wanted to wait until it could provide investors with more information on its most recent quarterly earnings. Last month's drone attack temporarily halved its oil production. The listing is central to Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's economic reform plans. But there have been doubts the IPO can actually achieve the $2 trillion valuation the kingdom is hoping for. The government was expected to sign off on a domestic listing this week, followed on Sunday by the company announcing its formal intention to float. The idea was to list up to 3% of the company on the Riyadh Stock Exchange as early as November. Saudi Arabia has been pushing for a higher valuation of the company. But potential investors have doubts. There are broad concerns about perceived state interference in Aramco's corporate strategy. Those go alongside worries about the kingdom's ability to protect Saudi energy assets. And Facebook says it's launching a project to protect children on its platforms once it introduces encryption. The company is aiming to offer end-to-end encryption across the trio of Facebook Messenger, Instagram, and WhatsApp. It's what Chief Executive Mark Zuckerberg says will give people the, quote, freedom to be themselves. But last month, the U.S., the U.K., and Australia warned Facebook that the move would allow sex offenders to freely target children. Plus, the country said it would prevent law enforcement from being able to investigate these kinds of cases. So Facebook is starting a two-year project with a goal of switching from a reactive approach to a proactive one. 
Right now, it flags and removes illegal content. The goal is to eventually stop abusers from contacting potential victims in the first place. Plus, they're looking into new ways for users to report inappropriate and illegal behavior. There's been a long debate over whether governments and law enforcement officials should have access to encrypted messages. Politicians in the past have demanded a so-called backdoor to encryption on national security grounds. But experts say that strategy did not work. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back next week for the latest business news. The FT News Briefing is produced by Amy Keene and me, Mark Filipino. Our editor is Amelia Mahasik. We also had help this week from Gavin Coleman and Michael Bruning. Also, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you on behalf of the team. A year ago this week, we launched the FT News Briefing. So thank you for all of the positive words, helpful feedback, and just for tuning in every day. If you're looking to give us a birthday gift and have a few minutes, we'd love it if you could rate and review the show. It helps new listeners find us, and we love reading your comments. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.